spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 222nd annual Subliminal Session Podcast. Your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody and my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. I gotta tell you, I know people don't like to hear about the weather, weather, but Tuesday we had our first accumulation of snow, which then turned to ice. Now, let me tell you my adventure here real quick. So that day I had to go to a different site for work, right? Usually takes me from my house, generally 15, maybe 20 minutes. It took me over a fucking hour to get there. I was a half an hour late for my shift. (laughs) Traffic was literally going five goddamn miles an hour, and I'm already tired of winter. Yeah, it's it's only October. Yeah, I kind of had a a similar experience. So I was sitting in my house, in my apartment, and the AC was just on all it was sunday the ac was just on all day i took my trash out because i had thrown something away noticed it was getting kind of full and it was actually kind of cool outside so i decided to open up my window turn my fan on let all the you know let some let some outside some fresh air in and my ac turned off for nearly four and a half hours until of course i had to shut it because i was going to bed once i shut it my ac immediately kicked back on but oh, it so- was pretty nice. I had a, I had a, I actually heard what my apartment sounds like without any noise, and it was crazy. <laughs> I couldn't sleep until my, until my AC actually turned back on. You've gotten so indoctrinated to it that you need yep. to hear. I don't know. Are you a fan person or non when you're sleeping? Not really. So I am a a ceiling fan person, not like okay. a box fan person. All right. uh, I do. I'm so used to the AC being on that it's kind of hard to sleep without it during the winter when it's not on, you know. You know, people who are fan people at night, I've realized, like, kind of with your AC thing, it becomes such a comfort that they cannot sleep without it. And then they want to bring everybody else into their fan world. So... (laughs) If you're on dating profiles or whatever, make sure you guys ask, like, fan or no fan, because this, to me, is a relationship breaker. <laughs> Into their cadre. Yeah. Yeah. Of all. Yeah. Of fan sleepers. I'm not yeah, coming in um... your fan. I'm not joining your fan cabal. Your fan club, if you will. Yeah. So it's not really something that you would think about. I'm, I'd be more worried about someone who has, like, night terrors, snores. You know, talks in their sleep, that sort of thing. Isn't I knew a you? guy once. What's that? Isn't that you? Oh, I snore. Ah, yeah. Night terror. But actually, what? not. I've been told not as much when I sleep in my own bed, but when I sleep on like the couch or a different bed, apparently I snore like a fucking grizzly bear. Yeah. Probably depends on your sleeping position. Probably. 
Yeah. I will say I had a friend while I was living, while I was in the Air Force, I had a friend who was dating a girl who had sleep paralysis every night. I've talked about her before. And that was an interesting, he had some interesting stories of, uh, from her. Yeah. I hope that young lady uh, got some therapy or something. I mean, Jesus, every night. That sounds horrible. Yep. Every time she went to bed, every, like, she would just close her eyes and take a little, little napster on the couch and have <laughs> sleep paralysis Ooh, like every time. Damn, that's fucking horrible. But uh, yeah, I wanted to tell you a story real quick that I saw probably one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in my life, Phil. Now, only a sect of people will fully understand this, but I don't even know how on my YouTube channel I f- even stumbled upon this. It was a guy who sets out challenges for himself, right? When he's playing older Pokemon games, right? He decided to challenge himself to beat the entire game, every single trainer and whatever, with just a Weedle. Did not let it evolve, did not do anything. (laughs) He didn't teach it any HMs or TMs or nothing. Watching this man beat the... Uh, whatever they call it, the fucking the end trainers. I can't remember what they call it. Um, the Pokemon I League or whatever. Call it like plateau, like plateau something. Yeah, I he had a level one hundred Weedle that was losing to level thirty Pokemon. That's how much this thing sucks. But he did do it. He did <laughs> beat the game. I did. I would have given up. I don't even know how he did it, but. Kudos to you, sir, for beating the game with a fucking Weedle. <laughs> he had some fucking tenacity. Yeah. yeah, that's level 100 Weedle, and it has fucking probably 18 attack, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, it it. Uh, I didn't even realize it happens, but if you run out of the, the move powers, you mm-hmm. do a move called struggle, which kind of like is kind of like tackle, but you get hurt too. So he had to figure mm. out how to utilize that properly without healing the Pokemon to kill all the other ones. <laughs> it was impressive, man. It was it was a uh it really made me want to start playing either like Pokemon Red or Blue again. Kinda makes me want to throw away my Game Boy just hearing about it. <laughs> I honestly I might on our trip, like while I'm at the airport, I love to charge that thing up and bring it along. Uh I think I might actually start a new game of red while I'm out on out in the wild. Actually that's a good idea. I should do that too. I didn't even think about that. Um yeah, I I only have Pokemon Black, but uh that's a good game too. Yeah, at one time GameStop was selling Pokemon Red, just like a download of it. For like twenty bucks, and I decided to buy it. Red and red or blue, you could buy. So I bought red. I realized that on even if you have the Switch, you can't buy the digital version of the games on their store, which is a travesty. Yeah, definitely. They they hoard that shit. I don't yeah. know. It's almost as if they don't. Maybe it's kind of like Disney, how Disney only lets out certain things at a time. Like the special releases, maybe it's kind of like that. But now even Disney, you can see anything on the app. Yeah. So yeah, they're complete whores now. Anything for a dollar. (laughs) They went from horde to whores. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I had one. I had one little thing. Uh, If you're an Iowa Hawkeyes fan, like me and mostly none of you, 
one of the pillars of our disdain for the team, Brian Ferentz, is actually, uh, you know, he's getting let go by the team. So everyone's pretty happy about that. That's just in, you know, in football news. No one really cares about it. But uh, I wanted to see what you thought about that. I know you know a little bit about it. Is that the coach's son? Yeah, the coach's son. He's firing his own son from the football team. <laughs> No, definitely not. It's the team that's firing him. Yeah, no. Ah. If it was Kirk's uh, idea, if it was if it was Kirk Ferentz's choice, he would be the next head coach for the next. Ah, uh, I got. I can say this: someone I work with attended the University of Iowa, and the first thing they said was, "Kirk Ferentz needs to go." That's everyone's. Yeah, everyone's yeah. thinking that right now. Coach yeah. needs to go. He's been there for. Two decades now, over two decades. So yeah, yeah it's, it's about time. Yeah, he should have a lot more championships if he's staying here that long. Definitely. But uh, anyway, speaking of horrific things, are you ready to <laughs> <laughs> get into this week's episode, Phil? Definitely. And yeah, you uh, you cheated and you looked down the rack. Yeah, I did. So. <laughs> I did. <laughs> no surprises here for anybody. <laughs> for this Halloween week, I had spent a while pondering legend and lore really trying to find the perfect Halloween episode. Eventually, I would find a topic less steeped in myth, touching on the existence, though, of true horrible evil in our society. The true monsters among us. Today's example, hidden plain sight, garnering the trust and admiration of millions, all the while skulking in the shadows, carrying out his terrible deeds upon countless victims, shattering a near spotless image that he had spent years crafting for himself. Our story begins when police were alerted to a man, Russell Taylor, the director of a children's health charity, after a female acquaintance of his had alerted the authorities that he had actually wanted her to engage with him in acts of bestiality and all the while photograph her while doing so with Russell Taylor even sending her a link to pictures of said bestiality acts that he wanted her to perform. This would prompt an investigation into Russell Taylor, with a raid of his home occurring in April of 2015, where police would make a shocking discovery. Not only of evidence of continued child abuse of over a dozen victims, it would include the abuse of his own stepdaughters. Russell Taylor and his wife, were trading in explicit photos with his foundation's founder, former fast food spokesman and pop culture icon. And we are, of course, speaking about the convicted sex predator, Jared Fogel, also known as Jared from Subway. Wow. Okay. So <clears throat> obviously there was a big Jared documentary that kind of came out like earlier this year, I think. Yep. I didn't watch it. I heard it was pretty challenging to watch now i didn't realize that he got busted because of somebody else yes one of the people who was you can call it his in his in his ring uh was actually busted for something else and then once they searched his home they found all of this evidence and evidence that linked back to jared focal you know with the nsa basically watching everything we do you think it might be easier to catch these guys yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're supposedly they're really good at covering up their tracks, covering like what they do. They, you know, you would, yeah, you would think with kind of how intrusive the government is on the internet. And a lot of that, though, is just kind of maybe 
maybe they're not really as good. I mean, think about it. There's so much, you know, information out there. There's so much shit on the internet. There's so many people logging in, looking at stuff. It's impossible, even for their supercomputers, to kind of suss out all the bad actors, you know? Yeah. I'm Now I'm wondering if, okay, so it was Jared's foundation. <laughs> Did he know Russell Taylor was a pedophile creep, too? And then they... He hired him, you know, it's so many questions. I don't know. How did these people even find each other? <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get into okay. it when we, when we right. kind of tell the story here. All right. Yeah. <laughs> More to come. Oh. All right. Now, born in Indianapolis, Indiana on August 23rd, 1977, Jared Scott Fogel would spend his youth and teenage years as call it a bit of an outcast, always being the big kid. He would claim later on that he had used food as a coping mechanism for his depression, which would later morph into a full-blown eating disorder. At one point in his life, he claimed that he would take in over 10,000 calories a day, reaching a staggering 400 pounds by the age of 21 while he was attending Indiana University. That is a big individual. From the picture here, right? Honestly... If they had a Caucasian version of the Nutty Professor, like, that's what he looks like. Oh, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, it, it looks like he is in a fat suit. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's mean to say. I mean, he's 6'2", he's still young, so he can still, like, move around. He did tackle his his eating and his weight problem early. He was able to slim down and kind of morph into, like, you know, uh, a more slim body. If he had waited maybe 10 years, he might have been confined to a wheelchair. At yeah. That you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, I don't know if I ever sent you that video. It was, I think, one of the girls or is the heaviest woman in the world or something. And it was a competitive mm. eater who was trying to eat what she eats every single day. And this, <laughs> he was like physically in pain by the end of trying to eat everything she eats in one day just because it's like so much. And this motherfucker eats for, I don't a competitive, or is it a job, or is it a hobby? I'm not really sure. Whatever. <laughs> However you get into that. He's an athlete, God He damn is it. an athlete. <laughs> for the, Everybody put up the X. Eater X. <laughs> I just want to know. There's a documentary about that guy. Like great. The, the guy who eats all them hot dogs, uh, the Asian mm-hmm. guy. Man, I want to know how big that dump is after he's done like that has to be massive <laughs> just crazy yeah it's funny because a lot of those were getting a little a little on a little off the topic but <laughs> a lot of i watched a uh, documentary about you know competitive eaters and i think his name was like kobayashi or something yeah, like that that's him all of the other competitive eaters were huge big big guts big bodies and he would kind of say like that's not good because your stomach doesn't really have anywhere to go. You're already big. So after a competition, he would look huge, of course, but he would slim down like he had a six pack. You know, he was a really like trim and in shape. And then he would kind of like he almost like had room for his stomach to expand like his muscle because his muscles were so toned. They were able to like expand out. So that's yeah. kind of. It's kind of how he, you know, was able to eat so much. That's what he claimed. I but. think I think I've seen something where it's like genetically, if your stomach is significantly larger than other people, it gives you a bigger advantage 
for that type of thing. So he might have like a a plus a five star giant ass stomach in his little body. He has a cow's stomach implanted yeah. in his body. <laughs> <laughs> now, for most young men in Jared's situation, life would have continued on with long stints of continued destructive eating, short periods of crash dieting, capping it all off with a failed stomach stapling and an early death. Though, Jared would try something a little different. He would walk to classes every day, greatly increasing his all-around physical activity. And of course, he would change out that terrible diet for a much more low-calorie option. He would give most of the credit, eventually, to taking daily walks to a nearby subway, swapping the five-figure daily caloric intake for a small sandwich, a side salad, and a diet coke cutting that intake down to about 2,000 calories a day. Yeah. If you are a, you know, big individual, your body, like, people don't think about it, but your body is burning a lot of calories. So if he's going from 10,000 to 2,000, he's going to slim down pretty quick. Yeah, one of, so I've seen some of those, like, the weight loss shows. One of the things that kind of, like, disheartens people is right away, they will go, you know, on these diets, they'll, you know, increase their exercise, like reduce their calorie intake, and they'll lose in a few months, like 50 or 60 pounds, like the weight will just shed off of them. Then all of a sudden, like their body kind of like neutralizes. Once they get down to a certain weight, their body will go into shock and be like, oh, fuck, (laughs) we there must be a famine or something. We got to hold on to this, you know? Because all of a sudden, they were losing like 10 pounds a week. Now they're gaining a pound every couple of days instead. Even though it's kind of like they're coming on an equilibrium, they're going to go down eventually once their body gets a little more used to it. Problem is, they'll start to lose faith and just eat again. Be like, oh, fuck it. I guess I'll just eat again. They've been waiting for an excuse, really. But, you know. (laughs) Yeah. uh... Of course, I shouldn't say shit because I have no idea. But that's what I imagine in my head. <laughs> um, yeah, it uh, when you work so hard to lose weight, you know, I've been there before. I'm a bit of a yo-yoer sometimes. And, yeah. you know, it gets a little disheartening. But you have to just keep at it, I guess, is the the willpower is what's going to get you over the hump. I mean, even if you lose, if you are somebody who loses 60 pounds, your body is going to look drastically different, even though you might not be at your targeted weight, you know, you're going to look yeah. way, way better, you know, from when you started your journey. Definitely. Yeah. I uh, God, what was it about a year ago? I decided it was like right after Christmas, I was probably at the heaviest I had ever been. And I decided like, all right, I'm going to lose like maybe 25 pounds, get myself down to like 185, And you know, kind of like a, like a, not a dream weight, but a good, good start. I wanted to get to like maybe 180 and then kind of like try to hover there. I had gotten down to about 182, felt great, had a couple of little slips where I, you know, just didn't even eat a lot. I just kind of ate not good food. All of a sudden, right back up above like 190, 194. And I didn't even eat that much. And my body was just like, oh, Awesome. Fucking fat boy. Like <laughs> Bam. <laughs> I just imagining your, your brain saying it in that exact accent too. Oh, fat boy <laughs> likes to eat. 
<laughs> the reptilian part of your brain. Yeah. I think it does sound like that. Yeah. Here we go. We got nutrition. <laughs> it is bad. When I am uh, when I'm on a diet, um, if I walk by the 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 dessert aisle at the grocery store, I can feel my fucking love handles just fucking yeah. unzipping. Yeah. Falling out the side. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> maybe my it, brain knows <laughs> you know maybe it was kind of a good thing when your parents said no we can't buy that you know now when you're an adult you can do whatever you want self-controls a little bit more out the window the older i get the more like the sweet tooth is just hankering man it's just i can't i can't stop it yeah i've been doing good lately um i don't know what the hell the the little snack cakes I don't know what they're doing over there at Little Debbie, but they actually put out the Christmas tree. Oh, uh, Little Debbie snack cakes. Those monsters. They put them out Bastards. in October now. <laughs> they know what they're Bastards. doing. I was like, what animals put these out in October? God damn it. As I grabbed a box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Threw it in my cart. <laughs> yeah. Between 1998 and 1999, Jared would lose 225 pounds, becoming a bit of a local celebrity around Bloomington. This was especially after an article in his university's newspaper was written about his unusual diet and subsequent weight loss. This article would actually be picked up by Men's Health Magazine and gain the attention of the bigwigs over at Subway Corporation. Uh, who would hire Fogel in 1999 to star in a small commercial covering his fitness journey and how his low-calorie sandwich diet actually helped him lose weight. The commercial would debut regionally at first, just to kind of test how, how Jared would go along with kind of their message in Subway. Eventually, though, the commercial would take off and it would be national. Subway would hire him on full-time, he would end up starring in 300 commercials in total. Also, he would make thousands of appearances for the sandwich giant around the world over his career. How much, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're going to go into it, but like, how much money do you think he made from like doing that stuff? Total, it was, um, I can't remember, so I have it written down below. But it was, I believe, 16 to $18 million, Ooh. something in there. I'm going to mention it in a little bit. At one time, he was making $2 million a year. Damn. Not, I mean, not bad. Uh, you know, Subway obviously has, is, I don't even know if it's a billion-dollar company, but uh, they make plenty of money. Oh, he definitely helped them grow to become, uh, I'll, I'll go into it a tiny bit. Um, there was a period where he grew that company over a period of four or five years up to a like five billion dollar a year company whoa damn and it wasn't just him it was also kind of their expansion mindset kind of other little things happening in the economy but they do credit him with a lot of that growth is like his commercials remember he was huge back then all over the place yeah oh i remember his ass fucking oh, everywhere everywhere yeah everywhere yeah. Now, for some of our younger listeners out there who maybe only remember the winding down of Subway's focus on Jared, after they would pivot hard towards their now legendary $5 footlong campaign in 2008. Jared Fogle in 2000 had become an instant celebrity and pop culture icon. 
being referenced on all of the monologues for the late night talk shows. He would tell his story in numerous interviews, not to mention the steady stream of new nationwide commercials that seemed to be coming out all the time. The image of Jared Fogle between 2000 and around 2007 became nearly impossible to escape, earning at one point, like I mentioned before, $2 million a year. Yeah, not bad for eating a questionable sandwich. Um, although I, <laughs> will, I will say, I feel like maybe it was just because I was younger, but I feel like Subway used to taste a lot better. And now Subway used to be better. And now I don't even know. It's just uh, something about it is just it barely seems like meat. Here's the thing, though. Here's kind of what I have to remember. When we were growing up, we grew up in a town of about 2000 people and there was nothing good like in that town restaurant wise, you know, kind of anything wise subway when it was new in town was the big new restaurant. It was the big new thing. Kind of like what happened to Quickstar. People laugh at me when I mention that for about two years, Quickstar was the most popular place in town, which yeah. is a gas station. Yeah. 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 Very true. But now you got like Jimmy John's and Jersey Mike's. Yep. Significantly better and not that much more than Subway. Yeah. And Subway, I mean, back then, maybe it wasn't. I mean, definitely now, though, I will say that just over the past maybe five to 10 years, Subway's definitely gone downhill after I had access to bigger places, more food options, just like KFC. KFC's definitely taken a huge hit. Pizza Hut, we talked about that last week, I think. Huge fucking hit. Yeah. Uh, way, like, quality has fucking nosedived on, especially, that corporation owns a lot of those, that Yum Brands. They own a lot of those businesses. Border Foods. Is it Border? I thought it was Yum. No, Border has KFC, Pizza Hut, and the one that's probably keeping them afloat, Taco Bell. Taco Bell, yeah. I would say it's funny because KFC, like that was like the fun place to go to get, you would get the bucket, you know, it'd be great. You get the big fucking thing of sides and all that. And now like I had KFC about six months ago and it tasted like, like overcooked pigeon. It was fucking terrible. I don't know how many times you've had pigeon, but clearly you've had perfectly <laughs> cooked pigeon at some point in your life. The best pigeon. Yeah. Now, like I mentioned before, the subway campaign would take Fogel all over the country, making public appearances by day. Though this kind of left his nights freed up. He would spend them alone in different cities. Uh, this would be when, according to his own 2015 courtroom admission, Jared would become dependent on alcohol, pornography, and prostitutes. Apparently, he had traded his overconsumption of food with other destructive vices, though it wouldn't be until his later arrest and trial that the world would learn the truth about this unassuming weight loss hero. Yeah, I... I mean, obviously you're going to get into it, but um, I would say his arrest, I don't know about you, but I felt like it was one of those things I did not see that coming. Oh, definitely. No, no one saw it coming. I mean, there was probably people who were attached to that whole the child sex pornography ring that he was in who knew everything about him. There were some people who were kind of outside of it who maybe had inklings or maybe knew some of the things. But yeah, 
but the public as a whole had no idea. Are we under the assumption that the the pedophile stuff was going on his entire life? Or is he saying it started later in life? Well, it started kind of like while well, I'm not exactly sure the exact moment, you know, it it basically it was uh, his celebrity, his increased pay. All of that was kind of affording him the opportunity to, to do, do all these things. Gotcha. There's like so the I'll get it. This is the end of it, basically. Uh, there was a like a psychiatrist who spoke in his defense at his trial, who basically claimed that it was just a kind of elevating kind of, you know, these vices were stacking on top of each other and that the pedophilia wasn't really his thing, that it was kind of just the next step, the next step, like more and more, that sort of thing. Uh, the thing is, it's with people who kind of have like sex addiction, drug addiction, that like the addictive personalities, it doesn't normally lead to this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, like well, the stuff that he was doing. I know it's a little bit of a cliche, but rich people are always looking for that next thing. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I guess that could be the case with him if he is just checking out vices. But I have a feeling he is just a fucking creepy pedophile. I don't know if he ever met like Epstein or like any of those, you know, the people who kind of are accused of being in that in that ring that whole celebrity billionaire ring but you got to think if he if he rubbed elbows with them maybe you know maybe they brought him into it maybe you know but it's he went from being a nobody to being a super somebody pretty quick so maybe that was a jarring kind of thing for him uh it could be uh i don't know i don't think he was rich and famous enough and powerful enough to get on Epstein Island I think that's reserved no. for uh, the tier of wealthy, powerful people way above him. The super wealthy and the massive celebrity. Yeah. yeah. Um, Politicians. I can see what yeah. you mean. Yeah. 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 Now, I did a lot of the a lot of the articles I read were basically like you mentioned before the documentary that came out uh, last May 2023 of kind of. You know, everything that happened, uh, the lead up to the investigation, the trial and all that. A lot of it were kind of referencing that. I did actually watch that. I will say I'm not going to have any audio. I'm not going to give any quotes from the documentary. It's pretty fucking disgusting. Uh, just talking about it's bad enough. Not only not needing to have quotes, especially when you listen to Jared Fogel's creepy little voice yeah. saying it. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's bad enough. Yeah. Now. One person that had learned of Jared Fogel's depravities early on was Florida radio personality Rochelle Herman. Rochelle had interviewed Fogel in 2006 on her radio show and had claimed to have initially found him charming. Though this would all change when the two had met again for a videotaped portion of a second interview where according to Rochelle, while waiting on students to enter for a meeting with the celebrity, Rochelle alleged that Jared Fogel had quietly made the admission to her that he had found middle school aged children attractive. Yikes. Yep. This is such a gross sentence. Found yeah, middle aged children attractive. Yuck. And they barely knew each other. And apparently, and now there's no recording of this. There's no evidence, really. Uh, it's just kind of her word. But uh, when you hear a lot of the recordings, you you can pretty much figure out that it probably did happen. Yeah. Uh, it, he didn't use the, you know, he used a lot more vulgar words. 
apparently. So I, I'm not going to use those words and what he, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. use the actual words that he uses. So, and for a Florida woman to say that's gross, I mean, <laughs> he must have been a sick fuck. <laughs> to shock a woman from Florida who's probably fought a gator in her. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Now, this would take Rochelle Herman aback, completely changing her perception of Fogel and really forced her to ponder for the rest of their interaction that day, like what she had actually heard. And why in the hell would he admit to her that information or that about himself? It was after this second interview that Rochelle would make it her life mission to expose this monster. Rochelle decided that after acquiring Jared Fogel's personal phone number, she would strike up a relationship with him, all the while, secretly recording every conversation they had had, unknowingly beginning a three-year relationship-slash-investigation that would nearly shatter her life and her familial relationships. Okay, is this relationship as in romantic or as in just, a, like, friends, I guess? It's so... I don't think that they ever had sex. Definitely don't think that. It was so the way that she kind of put it in the documentary, this was this will be talk about later on. He was extremely busy. He was almost constantly on the road, either like for his foundation or for Subway, kind of, you know, doing big meetings, interviews, that sort of thing, uh, talking in front of crowds of people, usually children. So uh, he was always on the road and she she actually liked the fact that like they could never really be in like close contact with each other because apparently, you know, he just creeped the fuck out of Yeah. Him. Yeah, I would imagine if she made it her mission to expose him, he would probably be pretty difficult to remain in contact with her, right? Or with him. Yeah, I mean. definitely. With him. Yeah. Oh, uh, it so she does she kind of, like you can tell like during the interviews for the documentary that should that she did it was very hard on her to have to listen to him talking about this stuff and she was also kind of egging him on to kind of like tell her more so she had to act like she was into it yeah. so like the psyche of a person would be just destroyed from having to do that for 3 years yeah yeah very very true i've heard about the tapes of her getting him to like say things I've never listened yeah. to them, but uh, I, yeah, I, I've heard about the tapes. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of audio recordings that she, most of them, there's only like little like the, the highlights, the bits that are the most damning are the ones that everyone heard, the ones that made it into the documentary. Yeah. So, yeah, but there was just hours and hours of audio recordings that she had made. Yeah, I imagine it's got to be hard to hear those in his like you said, creepy ass little six dollar foot long voice. <laughs> yeah, it definitely watched that documentary and just kind of like like bunches. At some point, you just got to be like, okay, I got it. I can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got to play some Rocket League and think about something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now for their next meeting, Rochelle would arrange for a kind of get together in a hotel room that Jared was staying at. This is while she was carrying a phone that would act as a recording device. It was while sitting on his bed that she claims that Jared would become very forward and extremely handsy. Even after she had brushed away his initial attempts to get closer to her on the bed and to make physical contact. 
while sitting in the bed, Jared told Rochelle that he would like it if she had put her hair up in pigtails and asked if she would do that for him. Huh. Okay. So I'm getting the assumption that Jared thinks that they're like romantic. Am I reading that right? Or he's just such a predator that he just assumed that. I don't really. So it's, it's, here's the thing about it. It's she kind of show she's been talking to him on the phone. She shows up at his hotel. Maybe he just assumed that he was getting lucky that night. That sort of Mm, thing. Like maybe he figured like, Oh, that must be what she's here for to, you know, to have sex with this celebrity that, and you got to also remember too, he's got supposedly a huge ego. Like a lot of people who know him really well say that he's got a huge ego. Yeah, I could see it. I could see that. Now, shortly after he had made the request, Jared would go to the bathroom. This would give Rochelle the opportunity to make a hasty escape out the front door and into her vehicle, speeding out of the parking lot and down the street, retreating back to her home after this vile encounter. However, she would be dismayed to find out that the recording device that she had used didn't pick up much of their audio at all. Though, she would parlay this into a further long-distance relationship with Jared. This would mean that Rochelle would be able to continue to gather evidence of Jared Fogel's deviance from a safe distance, prodding him for more and more admissions, all the while being forced to play along with his sick and twisted fantasy. Isn't that kind of weird? Like, she just gets up and drives off, and he's still talking with her? So, yeah, he apparently he went to the bathroom. And she jetted out the door and he called her like while she was driving away. Where'd you go? Like what happened? And she said that apparently one of her kids was having an emergency and she had to race back to go take Ah, care of her. So that was the excuse that she used that I saw on the documentary. Very clever. Very clever of her. Yeah. Apparently the, it was the, the pigtails comment that was as much as she could take. And that's what got her to, run out the door when he went to the bathroom. So you, so I'm guessing the pigtails thing is supposed to make her appear as a younger child or something? Yeah, it's kind of that she was likening it to imagining her as like a like a young girl basically. That's kind of what the I the what thing it's alluding is, I to. Okay. All right. What it's alluding to. Yeah, good word. There you okay. Go. All right. Now, Rochelle would continue her relationship with Fogel over the phone, sometimes taking several calls a day, as the life that Jared had led on the subway campaign trail was really a lonely one, and he would need to hear a friendly voice on the other end of the line very often while on tour. Eventually, Rochelle would gather what she had thought was enough evidence to take to the proper authorities, she would go to the FBI, actually. Though she didn't realize what would happen after taking her investigation to the feds. Huh, okay, now you left off on a cliffhanger here, Phil, so <laughs> yep. I'm really wondering what exactly the FBI does, because as we know, the FBI can go any direction. You know, they're a wildcat. You don't know if they're going to pursue it, ignore it, um, blame it on communists. We don't know. Blame it on you. Blame it on her. Yeah. Yep. 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 So Rochelle would play her tapes for some agents in their initial interview. Uh, the agents apparently were shocked when they figured out that it, it was Jared Fogel, voice on the recordings. 
she would play them the most damning evidence, being a recording of Fogel claiming that his ultimate fantasy was to be with a 9 or 10 year old child. The agents would inform her that not only would the recordings probably not hold up in court, but also that she had actually obtained said recordings illegally, and if she came forward with them, she may face charges herself. That was kind of what I was wondering. What she's doing into baiting, I don't want to say baiting, but trying to lure him into saying things and whatever else. As a regular civilian, it seems like you could get in trouble for that. Yeah, so we both listen to a lot of true crime. And if you, so some of these tapes, if you listen to them, if you listen to her kind of like talking to him, asking him questions, and then like you hear his answers, if there was no other evidence besides those tapes, his lawyer, the lawyer that a person of his wealth could afford could easily tear apart those tapes. Yeah. They could just be like, oh, well, no, that was just him playing along with the fantasy that she had. Yeah. She was like, my client thought that she's the one who has these fantasies and he's just playing along with her. He thought that she was into them. Like he was just trying to fuck her, basically. Yeah. Yeah. One good lawyer could, uh, like you said, dismantle the whole thing. So. It, maybe if it's on the FBI's radar, at least they will do something, maybe? Yeah, definitely becomes on the FBI's radar. We'll get into it here in, okay. uh, in the next paragraph. All right. So after that point, Rochelle would become an informant for the FBI, recording her conversations with Jared Fogle, even allowing him to believe that he was grooming her to be an accessory in his crimes, with Fogel ultimately taking aim at Rochelle's own children, even asking her to give him nude photographs of them and place hidden cameras throughout her house, in their rooms and in the bathroom. (sighs) Yikes. That is not good. It's just so rough to hear that, you know what I mean? Oh, definitely, yeah. It's a it's a it's rough all around to listen to that fucking documentary. Yeah, the, I yeah, when when you when they get into these parts, especially especially the parts where his his business associate Rush Ta- Russ Taylor, they go into a, like a whole episode of it is just on him and he is a grade A fucking scumbag. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. Yeah. Uh yeah. I mean, I wonder even if the FBI hears that part like, is that enough to do something to him? For oh, like, hearing this, yeah. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get into it. In okay. Kind of okay. the thing I wanted to get across uh, with that first part of that last paragraph. So what the FBI did was get Rochelle to think that like what she did was illegal and a crime, and that it was you know in the way that she had recorded him without his knowledge, asked those questions. They actually turned her into their informant. Uh, they had gotten her to do drop-offs for them, to drop off new tapes so that they could listen to them. They even taught her kind of like how to do it. Before the phone call was made, she would turn the recorder on, tell what time, what day, all of that, and then she would end it by um, giving the same kind of thing. You know, what time, what day it was. So they they became like more legal i guess um i'm not exactly sure how how illegal her taping him was but the feds definitely made her think that like she needed to work with them just to keep herself out of prison 
Yeah, I mean, maybe they just wanted to take credit for it. Uh, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess in Rochelle's case, maybe she did the right thing by listening to them on what to do, you know, so they can have, you know, clearly they catch him eventually. So obviously her following their instructions ultimately was probably the right case. Yeah, it. I mean, so definitely the the evidence helps. It's 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 when they find the concrete evidence uh, later on during their investigation uh, after his associate is arrested is really what what you know nail in the coffin for him. Uh, another thing too from that paragraph, you listen to some of those recordings, like the you know the highlights I said, but the choice kind of recordings of of what he's saying to her, and you can you can tell that. He's trying to groom her because uh, he's targeting her children. I mean, this is, ah. you can tell it's not something that is done for the first time at, no, at that point. No. He's done it before. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not his first time. Now, after years of making these recordings, Rochelle would become very dissatisfied with the FBI, with the FBI's investigation, believing that they had been taking too much time and that this monster was being given free reign to continue to commit his crimes unabated, and that he had already really admitted to her that he had done all these things while, you know, he's giving her updates all the time. This would prompt her to take her evidence to local Florida police, though she wouldn't find much help there either. Also, the local authorities would inform the FBI that Rochelle had been in contact with them discussing this impending case, something that she really should not have done. No, no. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe Rochelle is having the realization that the American justice system moves at a snail's pace sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, It's super slow and then all at once. Yeah. Yeah. When I heard that paragraph, she might have been surprised, but I don't think either you or I were surprised. No, yeah, definitely not. Uh, especially a person with with money, a person who can hire lawyers to get him out of that stuff. Definitely not. If it was a poor person, uh, and they had those recordings, they might have taken him to you know taken him to trial. His shitty fucking uh, defense attorney might have fucking done a plea deal and gotten him fucking twenty years in prison. You know, it's <laughs> that free lawyer would have, you know, slept through the fucking the <laughs> hearing and then just uh, had him do a bad plea deal. But yeah, he could hire the best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And maybe the feds are real buff- big fans of Subway. We don't know. Um, I hope they eat better than Subway, but maybe they really like Subway and wanted to uh, take it easy on this guy. Yeah, they wanted to help out. Uh, some of them have lost some weight eating turkey sandwiches. <laughs> they wanted to help them out. Uh, though the FBI did, I will mention this, the FBI did try to plan a sting operation uh, using Rochelle. It's kind of sickening, actually. They wanted her to throw a fake birthday party for her kids and invite Jared. So basically, she would invite her her kids as friends to this fake birthday party and then have a monster come and then they would kind of catch him in the act there. So Jesus, he didn't end up showing up and she lost contact with them. She just had enough. She couldn't do it anymore. But yeah, that never happened. But they wanted her to basically throw her kids to the wolves for them to come in and arrest him. That's uh, pretty fucked up. Yeah, definitely. It's 
one of the guys who like a retired FBI investigator they had who was on the case was talking about how for the investigators, it's, you know, they're just hearing stories uh, just like any other ones, but it would be really hard on her because now he's talking about her kids and it's, it's coming home for her. Yeah. So yeah, maybe the FBI just didn't really think about like her and as a real person. Yeah. Yeah. That is a very valid point. Yeah. Thinking of her more as like witness number one or something like that. So now some of the crimes that Jared Fogle was committing all the while were happening while he was out on the road. Like I mentioned, he would make connections to prostitutes and escort services across the country, probably even across the world. He would seek out the youngest ones that he could find after becoming their customer. He would attempt to turn them into a recruiter for him, telling that he wanted girls even younger than they were, with later damning text coming out that some of these prostitutes, he would tell them that he was looking for girls as young as 14 or 15. Also, sending text messages to these prostitutes claiming that he wanted a boy like even younger than that, like a small child. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty fucking, pretty fucking terrible. Yeah, this is um, some of the most horrific shit I think we've ever talked about in the show, Phil. Um, And yeah, okay, so right now, like, I heard about the prostitutes thing. I feel like I heard about it talking about in different countries. But right now, this is all in the United States. This is so he's traveling around the world. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. So this is in the like 2000 teens and like late 2000s, all this stuff. So this is kind of like this is kind of a not really even in snap. This is like a cult, like all of the stuff that he was doing, what he would be eventually like accused of. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, horrific, and you you honestly feel bad for the kids, especially if they are that young and have turned to prostitution. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he so he only really gets charged with visiting one prostitute uh, in New York, but you got to think he was on the road for years who knows how many like victims he has just spread throughout the world probably a lot yeah i it's (laughs) uh, i don't know because i mean they can only prosecute what they can prove but it's one of those things where this monster probably should have went to jail forever you know yeah is he not i mean i I know you'll get there but uh i thought he was in jail for life no he's not in jail for life okay all right So also, while all this was going on, he seemed to be heavily involved in his own uh, kitty porn ring with friend and business partner Russell Taylor, who we had mentioned previously during the intro. Apparently, he and Russell were at the center of this circle. So them two were like the ringleaders of it. Yeah, from uh, from all the evidence they gathered, that's what it's like. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the content. We should call like a lot of the content we could say was coming from Russell Taylor and the things that he was doing. So obviously, if they got a ring, that would insinuate that there's more people in it besides just Jared and Russell then. Right. So did more yeah, there people were, get arrested? Not that I read. I couldn't I couldn't find any other people who were really like arrested like during this. Oh. But only really what the articles I found were talking about was what came out during the documentary. You got to remember too, there was 
it's kind of it's kind of funny because you'll see articles way back in 2015 when the investigation started and when the trial happened. And then you'll like a lot of the the victims are kind of, you know, who give interviews during the documentary are just called like victims number whatever they are, like 12 victims number 11. They're actually like when they give their interviews, they you hear their story, you hear their names, all the horrible stuff that happened to them. Uh, but a lot of people really didn't know like a lot of the details back then. Re- a lot of this really is just coming out this year in the documentary. Really? Yeah. If we would have made this episode, like we wouldn't have had as much like like information. Stuff to talk about. Okay. Information about this. So yeah. new stuff is constantly coming out about what the monstrosity that was Jared Fogle. We'll talk about it later, but uh, like right away after the trial, uh, there was a lot of interviews with Rochelle. Uh, she talked about, you know, what he was saying, the experiences that she had, all of that. But we hear kind of a lot of it being put together in that documentary. Gotcha. Okay. Now, like I mentioned before, in 2004, Jared Fogle had set up the Jared Foundation which was the the public face of it was to teach kids the value of proper diet and exercise. This was set up with his friend and associate, Russell Taylor. Uh, Russell Taylor would run the foundation for him. With the two seeming to share the same interests, they were running mates on all those trips together around the world. Uh, This apparently is for both business and pleasure. I they were talking about this. One of their frequent destinations was alleged to have been Thailand. Yeah, I am. You know, it's tragic that I think child prostitution is kind of a big thing in Thailand. Am I incorrect about that? Yeah, it's just hearing that they went to Thailand. It, I, anyone I hear who goes to Thailand are just oof. What what'd you go there for? <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I who mean, knows? Maybe, I'm sure there's. Maybe they went. Maybe they actually, you know, went there for what they're supposed to go there for. But you just hear it and you're just it's like, ugh, what'd you go there for? <laughs> I mean, come on, Phil. Thailand has a lot of beautiful buildings and delicious <laughs> food and stuff. You know, you don't just have to go there to be a pedophile. <laughs> you don't just go there for prostitutes. No, yeah, I suppose. I, there's definitely a specific group of creeps. And pedos yeah. that go there, but I think a lot of most, I would say most people go there because it's a beautiful country. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it is a beautiful <laughs> too, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Don't you worry. It's weird. It's, it's weird whenever you hear. It. Yeah. Now, the basis of the foundation, now the basis of the foundation seems to be for Jared and Russ to take trips to different elementary and middle schools across the country. Uh, with hindsight now, we know really the whole organization seems to have been set up for the two of them to just have ample opportunity to be around large group of school-aged children, with Jared being caught on audio tape by Rochelle, claiming that he liked to visit the middle schools the most because uh, that was the age of the girls that he liked the most. He used a lot more vulgar language, but I'll just say it like that. Yeah, you've cleaned it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. definitely in hindsight, it's... Uh... It's horrible to think about that he had a foundation where he is being allowed in schools. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, ugh. It's terrible to think about. Yeah, all of those parents were duped into letting their kids be around him. A lot, kind of like, uh, I can't remember his name, the the British celebrity who basically had like the same situation. Jimmy Savile? Jimmy Savile. Yeah, there was also Sandusky out at Penn State. That Yeah. 
Yeah. They o- these people always seem to set up these foundations to give them access to kids. It's a fucking terrible. You know that old coach at Penn State? What the hell is his name? The uh, the old coach yeah. at Penn State? That was there for Paternal? Yeah. Was it confirmed that he knew that Sandusky was doing that and he just like looked the other way? I don't know if the story that came out about... Uh, there was, a, I think, an assistant coach who had told us Joe Paterno about him witnessing Sandusky attacking a child, but I don't know if it was ever confirmed, like that story or or whatnot. I do know that Joe Paterno was fired or, you know, let go, basically, and that he died afterwards. Yeah, but, yeah. he died really fast after that. Yeah, after he lost his coaching job, he, he kicked the bucket pretty quick. But yeah, it seems like guys like Sandusky, they all... Uh, get into these organizations or start these foundations. Uh, you know, one of the one of the recordings that Rochelle has of Jared Fogle is him basically saying that he's looking for like orphans, at risk youth, abused children, people who he could easily manipulate, manipulate and yeah, abuse them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This this tragic. Now, for this next part, I'm going to give a little a, a warning here. This, this part's pretty bad. I'm just going to, we're going to, and <laughs> sorry, uh, you might want to fast forward a little bit. <laughs> now, besides sex tourism, Ogle and Taylor also traded lewd video and photographs with each other over cell phone, which would come to light after both of their homes would be raided in 2015. This material included said footage from the hidden cameras that Russ Taylor had set out throughout his teenage stepdaughter's bedrooms and bathrooms, filming them and their friends and sharing the material with Jared and others in the ring. It seems that Russ Taylor not only filmed the girls in his home, but also he was grooming them at the same time, including their mother. He would push the three of them to experiment with partying, drugs, and alcohol, also encouraging his stepdaughters to engage in sexual activity uh, for his wife, the formerly staunch Christian woman of faith and morals. He had groomed her to join him in his lewd activity, though while presenting his defense in court, it would be Russ Taylor who had claimed that in fact he was the one being groomed by Jared Fogel. Well, Russ, I don't know about all about that one, but I never thought I would say this, but I actually am starting to think that Russ Taylor might be a bigger piece of shit than Jared Fogel is. Definitely. Yeah. You, they, that whole, they do the whole episode, like I mentioned, Taylor. And I mean, he could have had a whole fucking doc himself. He was a fucking, yeah, just fucking a disgusting human being. Yeah. That is some of the worst shit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, the so two of the two of the victims that are on the documentary are his stepdaughters who are like giving interviews talking about um, some of the stuff they had to go to go through after they found out that he had been videotaping them and, and their friends. They went through some of the stories of the weird kind of stuff that he would do. I'm not going to go into it. It's pretty fucking bad. But uh, if you, I mean, if you watch, people will probably listen to this have already seen the documentary already know uh it's pretty fucking terrible yeah yeah you feel bad for those those girls because you know like i don't know there's gonna need to be a lot of therapy and hopefully uh they are doing okay now yeah definitely it 
So they did mention in their interviews that it was them who had to identify themselves and then their friends. Uh, basically, they said that like their bodies were blocked out and it was just the faces that they saw that they identified. Kind of seeing like all of the all the camera angles and everything that he had, uh, not being able to believe that he was had all of those cameras set up on them that they had no they knew nothing about. Ah, okay. Uh, I'm just thinking about the damn jury who has to probably look at all of this stuff during the trial, too. There, so we'll get into it in a bit. Okay, all right, all right. So to start it off, uh, Taylor would actually uh, plead guilty, and there wouldn't really be a trial, like you were mentioning. It was mostly just he pled guilty, and then there was a sentence, right? Yeah. So during court hearings, he would claim that it was Jared Fogel that had introduced him to this seedy lifestyle. He would use his power and influence over him as a celebrity to take advantage of his living situation with these teenage girls in his home, claiming that it was Jared who had told him uh, to set up the cameras and participate in all the activities, which would eventually lead to his lengthy prison sentence. He would plead guilty and get uh, 29 years in prison. Doesn't seem like long enough. Also, I don't think I believe that. Do you? Um, I I mean, it's his defense. So his, I mean, your lawyers have a strategy. And um, do I believe it? No, I don't. It's weird. Well, so a lot of people who kind of knew them say that they were like two sides of the same coin. One of them was extroverted, which was Russ Taylor. One of them very introverted. But they were definitely in this together. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it it wasn't it wasn't Jared Fogel. Like from what I from what I gather, I don't think it was Jared Fogel who introduced him or forced him to do any of this stuff. No, so. no, absolutely not. You know what, Russ Taylor? If that really was the case, you know what you could have did just call the fucking cops. I mean, <laughs> I you know yeah I I highly 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 doubt Russ Taylor is innocent. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And they say the same thing about Jared Fogel, about receiving uh, these images. Uh, they they claim that Jared Fogel was just kind of getting them and, you know, not really interacting with it. It's like, well, you didn't call the cops. You didn't tell him to stop. Yeah. You just yeah. accepted it and then commented on it afterwards yeah. and made some lewd comments. You know, it. you were a participant. That Absolutely. Sort of yeah. Absolutely. These both of these two are pieces of shit. Definitely. Yeah. And it would it would turn out eventually. So his wife wouldn't actually be convicted or, you know, they wouldn't go after his wife really until 2021 when Russ Taylor's conviction would be overturned. Uh, He would actually be resentenced to the exact same amount of time, 29 years. But they would also go after his wife, who would also get, I believe, about the same amount of time. For the things that she had done, uh, they realized, like I guess, after the fact, after all the investigation, and everything that she was much more involved in it than they had originally thought. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like she was quite involved. Yeah, especially yeah, they found out some. Not only was she a participant, she was egging it on to. She was, uh, she was very much into it. It turned out. they would fi- they would find out. Yeah. So yeah, she would get the exact same amount of time he got. Well, I'm glad that she got busted. She got uh, jail time as well. Definitely. Yeah, she deserved it. From from watching that documentary, he, she definitely deserved it. Now, after that investigation into Russell Taylor's home, it would lead authorities to also look into Jared Fogel. 
His home would also be raided in, in 2015. There was a cache of computers and cell phones being taken out of his home. This would turn into a media circus. Uh, Jared, as Jared Fogle was easily the most famous person in the town of Zionsville, Indiana, uh, every major news organization in the country would cover the developing story. That same day, Subway would drop Fogle as an employee, ending their over 15-year partnership. Yeah, this shit, I even remember this. This shit blew up fast. The, oh, definitely, the, yeah. I'm just going to say, Phil... Is it really a surprise he's the most famous person from Zionsville, Indiana? <laughs> yeah, considering that I don't think they're known for much else. No, yeah, no. We got the world, one of the world's most famous fucking pedophiles, guys. You should hang a bet. You should hang that on the welcome to Zionsville sign. <laughs> Definitely. They painted over his face on the welcome to Zionsville sign. I guarantee it. It's not, I, don't, I doubt it. I bet it used to be home of Jared. Well, I bet that's not there. Anymore. No, no. I w I'm going to assume they had enough wherewithal to take that down. Yeah, I hope. I fucking hope so. <laughs> now, Jared Fogel would be indicted on August 15th, 2015 on two counts. The first was distributed was distribution and receipt of child pornography with co-conspirator Russ Taylor. Uh, this was both commercially purchased and uh, homemade, with there being 12 victims identified in the images, uh, two of which, like I mentioned before, being Russ Taylor's stepdaughters. The second charge was traveling across state lines for the purpose of propositioning a minor, which occurred in New York City with a 17-year-old prostitute. Included in the charges, apparently, were text messages that revealed that Jared was offering, like I talked about before, like a finder's fee for any like prostitutes younger than the ones that he was already visiting, uh, kind of turning them into uh, recruiters and his engage his uh, desire to engage in much younger children as well. Gotcha. Okay. So I wonder which one of those carries a lengthier charge. Uh, we'll talk about it okay. here right now. Okay. I guess yeah. you've already answered it for me. Yeah, so August 19th, uh, Fogel pleads guilty to both charges. Uh, as the prosecution had mountains of evidence against him, this was thanks to the raid on his and Russ Taylor's home. Also, the years of audio recordings by Rochelle Herman would be used. Uh, he faced a maximum sentence of 50 years, 30 for count one and 20 for count two. His defense would ask for only five years, while the prosecution agreed to only seek 12. So Jared is only in jail for 12 years? Well, we'll get into it in a second. Ah, okay. But, okay. Yeah. So that's uh, that was the plea deal. You have to remember, though, like anyone who listens to small time, the judge can tell the prosecution to like, oh, you're only going to ask for 12 years? Well, go fuck yourself. I'll give him as much as I want. Gotcha. You know? Okay. I forget about that yeah. part, them damn judges. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's in every state, but I know small town murder, it happens quite a bit. Where they plead guilty, the prosecution only wants, like only, like agrees to only give them like, oh, just give them 15 years and they end up giving them life anyway. You know, usually yeah. it happens with the guy who comes forward and tries to get the lighter sentence. They'll end up giving him life, too. Gotcha. Okay. During the sentencing, Fogel's lawyers claimed 
that his prior eating disorder had caused him to also seek out other vices, which eventually morphed into said pedophilia. He even had a psychiatrist take the stand arguing for him that this was really only a mild or weak pedophilia, and that the defendant should easily be rehabilitated in prison. Though the judge flat out disagreed and gave Fogel a much harsher sentence than the prosecution was looking for, sentencing Jared Fogel to 15 years and 8 months in prison. Uh, Also, he was fined uh, many, like millions of dollars to be given to his victims. Uh, You know, basically they took every dime from him they could. Uh, His wife also divorced him and took half of his money, about $7 million. I didn't even know he was married. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention it. He he was married, uh, had two small children at the time. There's no real talk about them, though. You you know that I'm not sure if there's ever been any allegations there, but it it sounds like he did have a family. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I mean, the judge didn't give him that much longer of a sentence. I mean, 12 to 15. It's not a huge, and he, you know, difference. Yeah, he gave him 15 years, eight months. Uh, if it would have went to trial and he would have been found guilty on both, uh, it would have been 50 years. So there is also the, you know, there's always a possibility, you know, if you're, if you're rich and you have good lawyers, you know, a, a jury might kind of see it your way, you know, especially, yeah. especially if the evidence isn't as solid as everyone thinks it is, if they can talk their way out of it, you know, who knows? So this is happening in 2015, right? Or is it 16? So this is in 2015. All of this occurred within a few months in 2015 because both men pled guilty. Gotcha. Okay. So technically he could get out in like 2031, maybe 2032. I believe it's 20. So I think it is maybe his earliest release is like end of 2029. I was reading. Oof, all right. Well, I uh, <laughs> it's not that far away. Yep. So after he gets out, he's, you know, on the sex offender list forever. Obviously not going to be a spokesperson for anyone anymore. You um, don't think his... Subway's going to take him back? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think uh I don't think Subway or Jersey Mike shop is taking him back. No, definitely. Ah, okay. Now, while in prison, a fellow prisoner apparently took this opportunity to beat the ever-loving shit out of Jared Fogle. From what he was saying, he would repeatedly punch him in the face with a closed fist while Jared was on the ground. His attacker, Stephen, with a last name that I'm not going to say, claims (laughs) that he has actually attacked 21 child predators during his various stays in prison. Uh, This beating apparently occurred while Fogle was out at the running track. According to Steven, he was out with his other pedophile friends when he walked up to Jared Fogle and attacked him. So there was a group of pedophiles running track. Yeah, par- well, according this is so this is according to him, where the beating occurred out on the track, and he claims that it's while he was out with other like pedophile friends. Pretty much. Now, is this the guy here? This guy flexing? Is this guy who beat him up? Yep. Apparently, he was, I think, 60 years old at the time or 60 years old at the time of the interview. But uh, <laughs> he's he's a 60 year old man you don't want to fuck with. No. Definitely. He, you know, he kind of looks like Buff Bagwell a little bit. 
Am I am a I, little bit? He could be buff. Oh, I didn't, he looks like Buff Bagwell's. He could be Buff Bagwell's dad. I haven't watched wrestling in forever, and I don't know how I pulled that out of my head. I'm gonna <laughs> guess with all them four leaf clovers and Irishmen. Uh, would you? Is that what that is? I think that's four leaf clovers. Possibly. I don't know uh, where his last name comes from. But uh, it doesn't sound too Irish to me. So I know everybody's going to ask, and it's okay, Phil, if you don't want to say it. It is spelled N-I-G. I I don't know (laughs) how you say it. Um, (laughs) You know, in today's climate, we want to be careful, even though it is his last name. The episode's bad enough. I don't don't want to say that, too. (laughs) We're talking about a pedophile this whole time, and the episode gets taken down because of this uh Guy's man's last, last name, name. Yeah. yeah uh it might it could be like nige or something like that you know i i don't i don't know but uh we don't want to say it short for something yeah, yeah. we don't want to say it he looks like buff bagwell with more tattoos uh shiny dome like mr clean you know hulk hogan mustache going on there the super handlebar you know it's uh yeah good on you sir for beating the shit out of him i figured yep. that was gonna happen Oh, definitely. I I mean, it does sound like his lawyers were able to get he's in a Colorado prison. It from the sounds of it, it sounds pretty cushy. I mean, they have a running track. They have, you know, uh, a a library. He kind of talks. They kind of they kind of mentioned some of the stuff in this prison. It does sound like one of the cushier, like club fed type prisons. There are, you know, the the rich people never go to the shit prisons. No, no, they do not. Like we wish they would. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, kudos to this guy. I don't know what he did. Uh, I did read it, but I didn't. He has he has long stints in prison, many charges. So who who knows exactly what he did to get into that stint. But uh, good for him. You know, I hope he had some like community service or probation knocked off just for beating the shit out of all those pedophiles because he does have 21 under his belt. So quite a few. So he's clearly been in prison for quite a while. Um, I imagine beating up a prisoner. He probably gets you more uh, uh, added on time. Yeah, I probably I mean, fuck, 21, 21 boxy matches for a pro boxer is like a a good amount, you know? Yeah. Yeah. To have 21 fights with child predators in prison and beating the shit out of all of them, supposedly. That's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I'm honestly a little creeped out knowing that Jared could get out in fuck seven years, Phil. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. It is already 2020, so it's. I mean, he. You wish he would have tried to fight it and then gotten like 50. That would have been great if the judge gave him every single minute he could. But yeah. you know, he played it out. He had good lawyers. He got only 15. So. Uh, the other guy got 29. Um, probably Jared should have gotten 29 as well. So. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, yeah. Both I, scumbags. They, both deserved. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah. Jared is, I don't know. This is, um, how can I say this? Like, I feel like he was one of the, before we knew this happened, maybe I should have known, but I never suspected <laughs> That he would be getting arrested for child porn and every, well, not even everything he did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Looking back at his interviews, looking back at his, back at his promo pictures, his commercials, you look at it now and you're like, oh, how did I know? How did I, you know? But it's one of those things where 
it was, you know, right after the Attitude Era and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, like he's such a weird looking guy and they made him into this like celebrity. It's crazy. So, um, do you, can we get in trouble for guessing which one of our, <laughs> which new micro celebrity could end up getting busted for pedophilia? You know, let's save it for the next episode. <laughs> it's, we've had a, <laughs> we did a bad, no- well, so I'm going to do, I'm going to say this a little bit, part of the conspiracy part of this episode, there is a conspiracy, maybe some accusations, Maybe unfounded, maybe not. Apparently, one of his ex-girlfriends worked for Subway, and she had claimed that she tried to expose his behavior to some of the bigwigs in corporate. And apparently, she claimed that uh, her emails you know, went unanswered. They ended up just getting deleted, supposedly. They claim that they never had any evidence, and they never saw those emails. So there is... Some conspiracies that maybe Subway swept this all under the rug, uh, trying to keep their cash cow alive. I, Though it is, she, she supposedly she did all of this in 2009. By that time, they were kind of scaling down Jared a little bit, and they were deep into five dollar footwork. I was going to say, number one, there probably is one to two pedophiles on the board of directors of Subway anyway, and mm. number two, nothing is going to come. In between those sweet, sweet gains that Subway is making off yep. of him. So, yeah. Uh, you, you look at that line graph of their profit from 1995 to like 2023. And it was like at the time, their it, their profits were going through the roof year on year. I mean, that would be there would be a lot of factors. But definitely there's a huge spike right after the Jared commercial stuff in yeah. 2000. D- so. Dude, in capitalism, man. People that high up, they don't care if Jared was to recreate another Holocaust. They don't care as long as yep. they are getting all of that money. Yep. As long as the uh, the gains outweigh the negative attention, you know. I mean, once once the fucking once the house of cards crumbled, they immediately jumped off that boat. Yeah. Like they had just that year done a huge commercial about like celebrating the 15 years of Jared being a spokesperson for them. Mm. They fucking, they didn't even wait for the trial or, you know, the accusations to come out. They saw them fucking pulling computers out of his house. Done. So who knows? Maybe they did know. But I'm going to say it's a conspiracy. Who knows? But, you know. I have a strong suspicion. I have a strong feeling somebody at least suspected something. Yes. You know, definitely. But, uh, well, Phil, um, for, I'm going to say this for listeners out there. Thank you for ruining their Friday night. Um, (laughs) but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunately people like this fucking guy actually exist. A lot of people watch the documentary because a lot of people knew Subway, knew Jared. He was on every goddamn commercial for Subway. He was there when so- I would consider Subway was tasted good still. Maybe it's, you know, like you said, poverty brain. But um, yep. I ha- I remember it tasting good at that point. But, uh, whew, well, Phil, I know this has been rough. This has been a rough week overall. But we do have good news uh, that Phil and I will be on vacation next week. So yep. there will not be any episode next Friday. But we are going to be releasing something the week after that. 
kind of talking about all uh, the trip. Hopefully we'll have some paranormal experiences. Uh, then we can talk about happier things, you know, like ghosts and, and stuff like that and not not pedophiles. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Can't wait. Uh, yeah. This I mean, I am just going to be glad to not have those art computer anymore to not have to be writing this. I spent the last four days. God knows what kind of fucking shit Google's going to put up on my computer yeah, maybe, now for advertisement. Maybe go- my algorithm's already fucked from making this uh, this fucking show. Maybe but uh, it's going to be bad now. Maybe go ahead and delete the last week of your browsing history and delete the cookies. Maybe the caches too. Uh, clear all that shit out of there. Make sure <laughs> throw the throw the laptop in a lake. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Here's what you do. Start searching the video of the man who beat Pokemon Red with just a Weedle. It'll th- knock all of the Jared stuff out of there, and you can just enjoy some really fresh, excellent Pokemon content, and it will make you a lot happier. Yeah, they'll, <laughs> they'll think, oh, God, what is he looking at now? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this guy must be a psycho. You know what I uh, will say? One final thing here, not about Jared, um, something more yeah. lighthearted. From watching this man's Pokemon videos, Phil, I'm realizing that I have never given some very strong Pokemon a chance. Um, Mm. There's like Kangaskhan. I didn't realize he's a powerhouse. Tauros, I didn't realize he is. (sighs) I need to play Pokemon again. Yeah, you gotta gotta go fish out all your old books, all those old uh, (laughs) strategy guides that you used to have. Yeah, exactly. Uh... Luckily, now you can um, wink, wink, find a, po- uh, yeah, a Pokemon game that fell out of an internet uh, truck and you can <laughs> play it on your PC. And that is fantac- fantastic technology. But anyway, Phil, let's get out of here. I don't want to ever think about Jared again. Uh, if anybody wants to contact us or let us know their favorite Pokemon, how can they do that, Phil? Don't email us. Cody, you talk. <laughs> <laughs> you can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, hit us up. You know, give us episode ideas. We love hearing from you. It's all good. Uh, we also have a Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you know, we love all the likes, the shares, everything. Uh, also, episode ideas, probably even better way to get a hold of us. Uh, actually, I mean, now I was having a problem with the email for a few weeks, but it seems to be back on board now. But if you did send me an email and I didn't get back to you, sorry about that. I will try to get back. Uh, we had a little bit of password limbo. So, Cody, what's uh, what's the Instagram you got? Yeah, you can follow me at Cody Sabub. Uh, give me a follow. Send me a message. Do whatever you like. I greatly appreciate all the kind comments that I have received on there or episode ideas. I love those as well. The last thing we ask you guys to do is log on to iTunes, leave a show five-star review. Doesn't particularly matter what you type in the box. Just type something, hit five stars, hit submit. We greatly appreciate everyone who's taking time to do that for us. If you're a Spotify listener, it's even simpler. You just hit five stars, hit submit, and you are all done. Well, guys, that was a journey we had today. I hope The story about Jared made you is disgusted and you now choose to never eat at Subway again and only eat at Jimmy John's or Jersey Mike's. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Thanks, guys.